It's time for Speaking of Speaking, quick tips and tools to take you from stage fright to spotlight. This podcast gives you an inside look from the world of public speaking and speaking secrets you need to be bold from the stage, no matter what business you're in. The host of Speaking of Speaking, Carl Richards. Thank you, Matt. Yes, another edition of the Speaking of Speaking podcast. And so thrilled to have another guest who it's almost like we've worn the same shoes. I just don't know if they've been the same size because Mm -hmm. a lot of this individual's past is very similar to mine. And we're so blessed that Raja Vedia is joining us today. Raja, welcome to Speaking of Speaking. Thank you very much, Carl. I'm glad to be here. And I have to say, Raja, my very first episode for this podcast was about overcoming speaking anxiety and navigating through speaking fear. So mm-hmm. here's how you and I are brothers, <laughs> just from another mother, Indeed. is that we both have stuttered. And I stuttered horribly when I was a kid. And you admitted off microphone that it's still something that you struggle with or that you work through all the time today, that you still stutter. I do. And uh, sometimes people, I have my good speech days and good bad days, kind of like some people have a good hair day or a bad hair day. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I just say, you know, I've been blessed that actually some people have actually said like, oh, you don't stutter, you're faking it. I'm like, okay, well, thank you. I will take that compliment any day of the week. Thank you for that. (laughs) But the whole reason is that, you know, there's a lot of techniques and strategies that you can use to try to improve your fluency. And some of them I learned through Toastmasters, some of them I learned through speech therapy, some of them I learned through teaching karate for 37 years, and also owning like my own karate school. So there's a lot of things that you can do. So I always tell people that have any sort of a speech disfluency, you're not alone, first of all. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's how I felt growing up. I felt like I was completely alone because I think there were two people in my grade that had stuttering disfluencies and we went through speech therapy and we would meet them during those, uh, you know, once a week sessions. And the fact that, you know, you can improve. There is ways to improve. And on top of that, out of 10,000 things, if you're stopped from doing a thousand of them, you still have 9,000 more things that you can do. True. So don't focus on the 1,000 that are really not going to be important. You still have a lot that you can contribute to yourself and to society. I think a big thing that you just mentioned there is recognizing that you are not alone, that there are other people who struggle with this, have struggled with it. It might sound like they have overcome it, but some people never do and they struggle with it. But it doesn't mean, for example, that they can't be professional speakers because you mentioned your experiences in Toastmasters and how that's helped you overcome the stutter or at least control it. And again, I don't know about you, but I know for me, it created huge anxiety. I can only assume it's the same for you. But even still, recognizing that you're not alone and that it can be controlled, even if it's still going to be around. There are times when every now and again, I will break into a stutter. It doesn't happen very often, Mm -hmm. but it still does happen. So I certainly recognize that. So for individuals who are struggling, and those are great tips to get them started, what for you was the catalyst that made things turn around or change things up for you? Was it Toastmasters or was it long before that? I think it was just an accumulation of things. I mean, I think Mm. Toastmasters was definitely, I think, one of the tipping points because I didn't realize that people would structure a speech. I thought just thought they would go up on stage and just talk. I didn't know that there was actual 
practice script and you practice mm-hmm. an opening and a closing and you predetermine how you're going to choose your words and your vocal tonality, your pacing, your eye contact, all of those things. And so once I realized in Toastmasters, I'm like, oh, I didn't realize people did this. So as soon as I started doing that, you know, it kind of sends me back to that old idea that like 93% of your communication is nonverbal, 7% is verbal, right? Yeah. And, you know, they've since also like a debunked parts of that, but we'll just go with that for now. So if you have, say, 7% verbal, 38% tone and 55% body language, you know, that gave me a little bit of solace to think, wait a second. So it doesn't matter what I say. It matters how I say it. It matters how I position my body. That yeah. I could do because I had done opera and theater and musicals and singing. So I was actually kind of comfortable on the stage singing and presenting my body in a certain way. Same thing with like karate helps you with understanding your body in space, having balance, having control over how you stand and how you move. And so when I started to improve on the physicality of things, that kind of gave my speeches a little bit of structure. Right. All of a sudden, right. I started to realize that there's not only a structure of the words, but it's the structure of me physically in the space of the stage. And that started to help. The other thing you mentioned, too, was about the singing. And if I'm not mistaken, it seems to me my speech therapist years ago said this, that for the most part, people don't stutter when they sing. It's either a different part of the brain or something that's being utilized. So, mm. and again, this is not my area of expertise, so I'm spitballing here. So if you're listening to the show, you're thinking, no, that's not right, it's this. But you don't stutter when you sing. But when we try and get our thoughts together, sometimes that's where the stutter comes out. Now, I did want to add this point, something that my speech therapist shared with me, and I've added this and shared this with clients for the last 10 years for improving their speaking and presentations. One of the biggest nuggets I learned in speech therapy, and you hit on this too, this goes to your structure piece. Mm -hmm. The only person in control of your speech is you. Mm -hmm. The only person in control of your speech, and I say speaking, so the only person in control of your speaking is you. And once you learn that, and once you implement the structure that you talked about, it's not a guarantee that you're not going to no, stutter. No, it stacks the odds in your favor. <laughs> it really right? does, because now you have yeah. control. And there's another piece that goes along with this. And I've talked about this on the podcast before too. The audience doesn't know what you don't tell them. So I think one of the challenges with an individual who stutters is they get caught up in their mind of, all this information I have to impart on my audience, but the audience doesn't know what I don't tell them. Unless they're sitting there with my script, which they're probably not. They don't know if I forget something. They don't know if something is not mentioned at all. If something is out of order, they won't know. So if you pair those two things together, not only can you manage your speaking, but now you can probably better control. And I'm talking this through with you as a fellow stutterer for confirmation that yes, this is true. Not only can you control, but you can manage your stutter or your stammer or your vocal crutches better. Now you can also be in better control or better embracing of your audience. Right. And you touched upon something that I'd like to expand upon. A lot of people who stutter also, they have an external locus of control. They feel the judgment of an audience on them. And, yes. you know, when you create that internal locus of control and you try to ignore the external, all of a sudden you start to gain control of what you're doing. So right now, you know, I'm speaking with you, you're the audience, but, you know, there could be 10,000 people on the other side of that screen. That's right. okay. But I don't care about that. I'm talking to one person, just you and me. And I feel very comfortable right now, like we're just hanging out in the cafeteria eating a cheesesteak. And if you kind of reframe in your mind, you know what? The other thing I tell people in my coaching program is that, you know, think about it this way is that, you know, the attention that you give 
to the audience is not the same attention that they give you. You're giving 100% of your attention to them, but yeah. in a room of 10 people, 10% of the attention is coming from each person. In a room of 1,000, right. it's only 0.1%. So for me, like I'm a science guy, like I'm a cancer scientist. So for me, when I start thinking about those numbers and playing those kind of tricks to myself, I'm like, wait a second. So people are not really paying attention. Each person is giving me 0.1% of their attention. And somebody else is like checking their email. Somebody else is like, you know, chewing on a protein bar. Somebody else is trying to figure out what's for lunch. Somebody else is talking to like the person next to them. So, you know, even when you do give a speech or presentation, everybody is watching and they're in present. But it's not the same as giving 100% attention and getting that 100% attention back from every single person in the audience. So that helps you like reduce the pressure that you know you have to impress upon everybody. You don't. Just focus on two, three people. Talk to them. You hit the nail right on the head there. I have said that for the longest time, <laughs> again, in coaching and training speakers, yep. is you know, put yourself in the place of the audience. I think the stat is something like seven to 10 distractions that will keep them or take their focus off you. That could be, like you said, it could be they're talking to the person beside them. It could be their cell phone. It could be, did I leave the iron on or the coffee pot on at home? When is lunch? All of those things that are distracting <laughs> them, which means not only does it give you a bit of a break as the speaker, mm-hmm. <laughs> because they're not 100% focused on you. Should they be? We could have that debate for yeah. the next 10,000 years and we wouldn't get a clear answer. But the honest, <laughs> the goodest truth is, They're not. But that means that you can simplify your content so much. And this is not to be disrespectful, but I've heard coaches say this. Make sure your content is so simple that a seven-year-old understands it. Not to be disrespectful of your audience, but to understand that when they're sitting in the chair paying attention to you, they're not necessarily 100% paying attention to you. So unless you are (laughs) delivering a scientific paper or a university, you're doing a thesis or something, that type of presentation, you can simplify it and still be effective. And it gives you the opportunity to be less stressed about, am I going to stutter? Am I going to make a mistake? And I like how you made the comment, by the way, mm-hmm. about internal versus external. I can't remember the exact word you used. but Locus uh, of control. Yeah, that locus of control. Unbelievable analogy. Phenomenal. Yeah. The other thing is this, like I would tell scientists, you know, you don't have to use the full scientific term. You know, you can say ATP is like adenosine triphosphate, and then from then on right. call it ATP. Or you can say right. like, GABA aminobutyric acid. Okay, just call it GABA from now on. That's fine. You know, but just say it once yeah. and then move on. Yeah. Because the whole point is everybody else in the audience also, they get it. They know what it is now. Now move on. So just address it once and then make it easy for them. Because, you know, people, you know, they say like, how do you eat an elephant? Like just one bite at a time, right? So yeah. if you're going to also share your knowledge and information with an audience, especially from a scientific standpoint, you know, like I'm a cancer scientist, I have to present to my lab teammates as well as the vice president of the oncology department. And, you know, the fewer words and the fewer syllables I use, the easier it is for them to follow too. And also mm-hmm. don't forget, our brains work in that rule of threes. If you keep it to three to five focus points per slide instead of 20 of them, and they write a whole yep. paragraph, I'm like, oh, first, this person has not taken a presentation skills course. They don't realize nobody's going to read that. No one's going to remember that. At most, they might remember one, two, or three points from your entire 20-minute, you know, really dense text presentation. To me, it's always the rule of three. What are the three yep. things you're going to cover today? If you have 100 things to cover, no, you don't. You're going to cover three. Nope. If there's more that needs to be covered, well, then that's either another talk or that's let's follow up and have a one-on-one discovery call and do the rest from there. It's funny how you mentioned PowerPoint too. Always love that where it's, I have 86 slides and 10 minutes to share this information. I don't think you're going to make it. I'm sorry. That's not going to happen. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, I mean, we always say like a minute per slide and it just ain't happening. I think that's wishful thinking when you do that. Yeah. I mean, that's called poor planning in my book. I think it's being disrespectful to your audience too, yeah. to think that you you're going to be that. able to cover all that. It's disrespectful to keep them longer. But then I think it also shows that, you know, maybe you just need to simplify it, really make it well, simple for people. You know, when you go to the four personality types, you talk about the sanguines, the sanguines who love to talk. You know, if you have a sanguine speaker who just loves to talk about every single thing and every single detail, you know, if you did half as much, you would be fine. Yep. That's my key, you know. And to everybody else, the other four personality types, the sanguines, the choleric, the phlegmatic, and melancholies, you know, different personality types like different things, right? Yep. But if you're the sanguine and you're the speaker, uh-oh, you better keep yourself. Because like it was funny, like I'm the choleric, but I'm also the sanguine. And so for me, I used to do that also. Just think, all right, I'm smart. Let me put all my smarts on the slide and everybody will like it more. They'll respect you more. They'll think how smart you are. And it doesn't work that way. It actually, mm. what it is, someone said it to me and I forget who it was. It's very difficult to make something simple and it's very simple to make something difficult. I love true? that analogy. That is so it's, true. Raja, before I unleash you under the world to impart your knowledge with them, what would you like to pass along to our audience? Anything about your program that you'd like to share or anything you'd like takeaways you'd like them to have? Oh, yes, indeed. First thing is this. There's a great quote by Jim Rohn. You know, don't wish that your obstacles were easier. Wish that you were better. And so that's the way I face things. You know, they say that fear is false evidence appearing real. Or I like this version. Face everything and rise. And let me just leave you real quick. My website, if you want to contact me, it's victorymindsetacademy.com. And I'd love to hear from you. Fantastic. Raja Vedia, it's been a pleasure chatting, a fellow stutter, but a person who obviously owns the platform every single time. Thank you so much for joining me on Speaking of Speaking today. And My pleasure. Best wishes, my friend. And remember, get out there and own the platform. Thanks for listening to the Speaking of Speaking podcast. Fired up about something you heard today? Want to learn more? Be sure to visit carlspeaks.ca and don't forget to follow Carl on Twitter at carlrichard72 or join the Facebook group Speaking of Speaking.